in three different aspects of how God and I and God and you can disconnect. One is that he may be inattentive. He may not to be aware or maybe not wanting to answer some of your prayers. The second one is sometimes God is uncooperative. And we looked at Paul the Apostle and he had this thorn in, his, in the side of his flesh that he asked God three times to remove and God never did. And the first person of the inattentiveness was John the Baptist who was left in prison. And today we're going to look at another aspect of this concept of when God is unavailable, unresponsive, He's not listening to our prayers. And it's, it's frustrating. And, it, and our prayers go unanswered. But the, 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 the message I want you to understand is that it happened to people that God loved dearly, which tells us something. It's common. It's common to feel that. You're not, you're not unloved by God. It has nothing to do with how God feels about you. And a lot of times we think that. We take it so personal that God is not answering my prayer because there's something I did along the lines this week that God is now upset at me, that God is now answering my prayer because if I had sin on Monday, He'd answer my prayer on Thursday. And we kind of go through that. What did I do? It has nothing to do with how God feels about you. God loved John the Baptist. God loved Paul the Apostle. And today we're going to look at how God loved Lazarus. Yet he was late. You know, it has nothing to do with our your faith and relationship with God. Your faith is fine. You just need to understand what God is doing. And so we took these three examples in the Bible to share with you so you can mature and have a grown-up faith when you face challenges of, he's unanswering my prayers. And, and today we're going to answer the question of this. Why doesn't... My clicker is not working. Maybe because the batteries may be out, but what I'll do is I'm going to talk and we're going to replace these batteries that are in my bag, in the computer bag, and we'll do it on the fly. So the question is, why doesn't God do something about that? Now that that could be sitting right next to you. Why doesn't God do something about that? You know, usually it's the, it's the, it's the proverbial nudge. Why doesn't God do something about that could be on, on Monday at work. Why doesn't God do something about that when it comes to our, our, our neighbor? Why doesn't God do something about that? Yes, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. Why doesn't God do something about that when it comes to how we feel and why he doesn't do something about cancer? Why doesn't God do something about that? Or an illness, or a debilitating function in your body, mental health. Why doesn't God do something about that? That's the question that we want to answer. And that builds tension. Do you feel the tension already yeah. in your heart? Yeah. That builds. The, why doesn't God do something about that? And we're going to answer this question. How many of you ever asked God to change something, do something? How many years have you ever asked? Look around the room. Most of us have experienced this. For the rest, they didn't understand the question. But for, for most of we understand when we ask God something, He doesn't respond. Man, does it, does it create tension in our friendship and our relationship? You know? Uh, when it's someone else, it's academic. Oh, they have, oh uh, yeah, I'll pray for you. You should try this. But when it's you, it's personal. It affects our faith. 
You know, and this message is about you can maintain your faith. You can press on even though there's some things you don't understand about God when God doesn't do something about that. That's what this lesson this morning is designed to answer. If, if, if the person we believe or we're led to believe he could, he would, he should, why doesn't he? God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God could do anything. Why doesn't he do something about, about that? So what's cool about the Gospel of John is that this is the question that Jesus anticipated that we would ask ourselves. He knew this. And instead of just simply teaching on some theological uh, discourse, he actually sets up a, a, a he creates a that. He, he creates an illustration. He creates a, a life dramatic moment to answer this question, why am I going to not do something about that? He's going to answer it for us. So if you're with me, if you brought your Bibles this morning, Turn to John chapter 11. If you didn't read your Bible, don't worry about it. I have the whole Bible here on the PowerPoint. You can just sit back and pay attention to the lesson uh, right in your seat. No worry about that. So when God is inattentive, when God is uncooperative, and when God is late, let's take a look about that. And so in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus, Lazarus was sick. Now, for the teens and the youth, that doesn't mean he was cool. It means literally he was sick. <laughs> okay, he's ill. He's not doing well. He's in his last days, okay? Just want to clarify for today's audience. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, John, the author, takes a minute just to kind of clarify who Mary is, because Mary was a pretty popular term back in the day, so he wants to understand, you to understand, it's the Mary that, oh, that Mary, who spent a, a, you know, her perfume drawer was worth a year's salary, she broke it and she washed the feet of Jesus, oh, that Mary, he wants you to know about that Mary, who did this incredible thing, it became popular and, and people knew about it. it, she was famous for this, this act of worship, so, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Isn't that a cool name? Jesus, the one you love is sick. They don't even call him Lazarus. They just call him the one you love. It's like a Jesus loves me t-shirt, right? <laughs> Jesus loves me t-shirt. Imagine you being known in the Bible, known in the community. As, oh, that's the guy that Jesus loves. Amen. So you can, see, you can see the affection that Jesus has for Lazarus. In fact, he's, he's known as the one you love. And his sisters are telling him this. What a reputation. So when he, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that, that's a purpose statement, God's Son may be glorified through it. Wait, wait. Huh? Are you saying that when people get sick, it's for your glory? That's a new category. Whoa, that's different. It's for God's glory, so that purpose, so that God's Son may be glorified through this sickness. That's a whole new category for me, huh? Whoa! It changes everything. You know, you're, part of me is like, 
Well, then go love someone else. <laughs> Don't love me that way. I want you to help me. <laughs> Rescue me. You know, I'm like, I don't even get that sometimes. But Jesus is trying to get our faith to grow up. Because he's going to answer the big question. And so the, and as we look, he, John makes a point to tell you this. He makes it a point to say, now Jesus loved Martha. He loved her sister, whose name is Mary. And he also loved Lazarus. He loved them. He cared about them. He wants you to know about the relationship that they had. He cares about them. He loves them. So when they heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed in Jerusalem. He stayed where he was, where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. You know, um, this is interesting. He knows Lazarus is sick. He knows he's not well. We know he loves them. Yet he doesn't do anything for two more days. He stays put. Then after two days, he makes the journey to the area of Judea where Bethany is a few miles from there. He heads down there. But he waits. He delays. He stops. He doesn't go. But Rabbi, they said, a sure while ago the Jews were there tried to stone you. And yet you're going back. What do you think you're trying to tell Jesus? You know, when they're throwing rocks at you, they might hit me. <laughs> let's not do that, Jesus. Let's not, let's not do that right now. They don't like you, and I don't want to get hit by a stone that was meant for you. They don't want to go back there either. They're not sure. And then there's this, there's this wondering. And then Jesus says this. In the middle of, hey, your, your friend is sick. Hey, you should go down to Martha. They said, we're go down, and, go, down, go down and take care of him. And he waits two days. In the middle of this, let's go back to Jerusalem. They're going to stone us there. You can see the, 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 the guys who are with him are kind of like, what's going on? And then he takes a moment. And, he, and he, he says this question. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Huh? What does that mean? What does that have to do with Lazarus? What does that have to do with you being stoned in Jerusalem? Or 12 hours in a day. Jesus takes a moment. He says, aren't there not 12 hours in a day? I mean, when, now when Jesus says, that, why are you so dull? I kind of understand now why they're dull. Because that's kind of hard to wrap my head around the situation. Why am I so dull? Because that's a, where's this coming from? Why are you saying this to me? Well, he's saying, you know, in the daylight you can see. You know, at nighttime, they didn't have this thing called electricity back then. It wasn't like, oh, nighttime, it was like daytime. You know, it's just go out into the city. They had no street lights. When it was dark, it was dark. When it was daylight, you had the opportunity to do things, to go places, to see things. He says, those that walk in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when people walk at night that they stumble, for they have no light. He's saying, guys... Well, I am with you right now. I want you to come with me to Judea. Because there's an opportunity for you to see something about God's glory that you can never read about and understand. You're going to have to see it. You're going to have to experience it. And while it's daytime, come with me. Because when I leave, you're going to be left in safety if you stay back, but it's going to be dark. Mm -hmm. And when it's dark, even though you're safe, you begin to stumble. Just think about the blackout you had, the last blackout when there was no candles and no flashlight. 
You were trying to find your way around the house. And you hit that kitchen chair with your big toe. Ow, right? Or your pinky toe. We stumble in the dark. He's saying, I'm not going to be around. I'm going to be gone. And I want you to come with me so you can see this opportunity that I can show you. And I'm going to give you a light that will be with you for the rest of your life. I'm going to give you a light that you can carry for the rest of your days because you're going to remember what I'm going to show you if you come to Judea with me. Because they are scared. They are terrified. They don't want to go down and get killed. But they know that his friend Lazarus is dying. And so there's this tension here. There's a situation going around. Don't miss this opportunity. And what he's saying is that trusting, trusting is a prerequisite to understanding. We want to understand first before we trust. we rather have it that way, right? I want to understand what you're doing, Jesus, before I actually trust you with this process. But trusting is a prereq to understanding. You can never understand until you start trusting what he's trying to tell you. And he's trying to get the guys, come down. We can do this. He's going to explain the big one. Jesus is about to teach them about death, about when you die. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think about my death. Not in a terrible way. I just know that I'm going to be dead one day. I know that my son will watch me prayerfully be buried. I don't want to bury my own children. Amen. It's terrible as a parent to bury your own, but I'd rather my son bury me. Amen. And one day I'll bury my father. He's going to teach us and teach them. And we have front row seats into this teaching. Okay? So let's continue. So after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. You know, they're trying to give Jesus uh, some medical advice here, some input. You know, Jesus, if a man rests, he'll get better. But Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then he says one of the most insensitive statements I've ever read in the Bible. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Wow. The man he loved. He's dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there. That's a statement. That's a little shocker. So then he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. So there's that purpose statement. So that you may believe. I'm glad he died because I'm going to show you something. I'm going to explain something to you that it makes you wonder, makes you angry, makes you emotional. I'm going to tell you why. So you can believe. So let's go down there and let's go to Lazarus. Isn't that intense? Jesus says, hey, I wanted him to die because the only way to teach you on this subject is I'm going to go do something about that. And I'm going to show you that sometimes I may not answer this, that. I am going to tell you why I don't do something about that. But in this illustration, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do about that. So here we go. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
said to the rest, and if you don't know Thomas, he's the doubting Thomas. He's like, I don't believe Jesus is alive back from the dead unless I see him physically, unless I touch him physically. And then Jesus goes poof and shows up. And he, so he was kind of famous later on in the Gospels. But he has this little moment. You know, you ever, you ever, ever watch Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh? You know, you ever have, you have all the characters, right? If you ever have a family of three or more, you always have an Eeyore there, right? You know, you have an Eeyore in the, in the group. You've got a family of three or more, there's always an Eeyore in the group. There's, there's always a negative, this is not good, it's not going to go well. And then Thomas says, an Eeyore, Eeyore moment says, let us also go that we may die with him. Let us go, let us do this, it's over, it's going to be a massacre, let's just go die and be with Jesus. Everyone has an Eeyore in their family, right? You might, have, you might have married an Eeyore, right? You might have do something about that, right? I might have married one. Here is, here is what, uh, what happens. And you, can you imagine the chaos that's going on in Bethany? They're like, Jesus will be here in a minute. I mean, we sent Mary and Martha, you know, we sent the right people because he really likes Mary and Martha. He doesn't like me, but we sent Mary and Martha... And we told him, Lazarus, his friend, is dead. He loves him. He cares about him. And, he, he, and then you can see him. They're, they're, there's a guy on the street waiting for Jesus. Where is he? I haven't seen him yet. Hey, hey, hey is, Jesus, is that Jesus? No, not yet, not yet. I mean, they're just, can you imagine the chaos? They're, they're expecting Jesus to come. Why? Because they know that Jesus loves Lazarus, but Jesus hasn't come. And, and can you imagine the chaos? The, what's, what, why isn't he here? Why is he late? We hate late people. Jesus is never late. Why do we, you know, they're wondering. It's a sad situation. You know, Lazarus had no morphine drip. Didn't have a hospice. Sisters watching him die. Painful. And Jesus doesn't even show up for the funeral. You know, I show up to my friend's funerals, you know, when they die. Sign of respect, right? Didn't even show up. Can you imagine the chaos? <laughs> He's dead. You know, and what they, what they believed in the superstition back then that the spirit of the human or the soul would hover over your body for three days because, you know, it, it, you were dead, but you didn't look dead yet. And for three days, through, 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 you know, just the moisture and being out in exposure, you know, your, your body starts to decay. And then that, they would say, well, the spirit has no chance of coming back into his, into his body. He can't come back. So... I say that because it's important because on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been dead in the tomb for not three days, four days. Even in their superstitious mind, they're like, it's over. He's done. He can't come back. Maybe if he would have come back yesterday, maybe there would have been a chance he would have come back. But now they're going, certainly he is gone. Certainly he is dead. And can you imagine how embarrassing if you're following Jesus going... We're in Bethany. How embarrassing is this? He told us two days ago the master waited, and here we got to show up. We missed the funeral. He's dead. He's four days. Oh, this is terrible. Can you imagine how you feel? I thought he loved me. I thought he cared about me. I've been following faithfully. He and he knew I was sick, and he he didn't show up. You know, Lazarus died. And there was still no Jesus. You know, I, I saw my mom when I was a little boy. I heard her praying and begging to God that God would save my grandma from ovarian cancer. And I was a little boy. 
And I was in my room and I would hear her crying because my grandma died in our house. And I heard her begging God, save my mom. Eight years later, she did the same thing with my grandpa. She begged Jesus to save her parents. No, Jesus. They both died. And so for this, this is real. We know someone who's died. We, you've prayed for someone who would, who would make it and recover from a, from a grave ill. We've all been through this. This is why this is an important message for you to understand. That when God is late, why does he do something about that? It answers this question. We all relate to it. Someone that we know has died and we ask God that they would heal him and he didn't. That is what the question we want to answer. So now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. I wondered, why did Mary stay home? I, I may be speculating here, but I'd be a little mad. Going to see him. You love us. You love the Romans. You look, you save strangers. You save the Gentiles. You don't even love your own people. Maybe. Put yourself in her shoes. The man who could fix it doesn't show up. Misses the funeral. He's late on purpose. So Martha goes out to meet him. Can you feel her tension? Martha, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you ever have a prayer that went unanswered, you can relate to her. Why didn't you do something, Jesus? You know what she's thinking? It's your fault. And we say that. It's your fault, God. It's your fault. I didn't get this job because it's your fault. I prayed about it and I didn't get it. It's your fault. Why didn't you do something about someone you cared about? You know, I love that we're a part of the story now. now. Now you're a part of the story. Now you're like, yeah, yeah, why didn't you? And that's the way the Bible's written. It wants to include you in the story. That's what's great about this message. That's our message. If you would have been here, if you would have listened to my mom, my grandpa wouldn't have died. My grandma would still be alive. They died young. I was just a boy. I thought you loved us. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. You know, to hear that, you know, you know, Martha goes, yeah, I, 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 you know what someone tries to say? He's in a better place now. <laughs> I don't want a theology lesson. <laughs> he's dead and you could have done, I know he's going to be in a, I know that, but it doesn't, doesn't fix how I'm feeling now. Doesn't emotionally comfort me. And this, and this lesson today is not emotionally comforting. It is not. 
but it'll help you grow up in your faith. It'll help you mature. And so it doesn't answer the question, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. I know he'll rise again. I know that, theoretically. But I want him alive today. I wish he was alive. So Jesus, he looks at this angry, confused, emotional woman who loved her brother. And, he, and who, th- who thought she knew who Jesus was. And he says to her what he says to you and what he says to me. And that is, I am the resurrection and the life. He says that to her and says that to me and says that to you. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die because I am the resurrection and up in that time she's like yeah yeah, I know he'll rise again but he goes I resurrect I am do you believe this This is the question he's asking. You want your faith to grow? Do you believe that? Do you believe that I will conquer death? Do you believe that life does not end with death? Do you believe me? Do you believe this? Like it or not, we in this room will all be dead. Sooner or later and this is what he's trying to meet us at when we're angry when we're upset when we're emotional and people tend to go God let my grandfather die there is no God he cannot exist I, I served him I worshipped him and he let my grandfather die he let my mother die he allowed my sister to die then he asks he says to you I am the resurrection I am the life do you believe this? Because if you believe that, then you'll live even though you die. Amen. It's unbelievable that Jesus would set this up. Just think about it. He sets up Lazarus to die just to teach us this. He just sets it up. Lazarus is sick. I'm not coming. Because I'm going to show you guys something later. What? He sets this all up just to show you something. Just to teach you something. He did it for your sake. He did it for my sake. Jesus is unbelievable. I mean, this doesn't help. If you're, if you're a skeptical, this doesn't, if you're a skeptical of the Bible, this doesn't help the story. You know what I mean? This goes, I mean, this doesn't authenticate the Bible when you, when you read one. That doesn't, that's crazy. I mean, who would write that? I mean, if I was a writer wanting to promote Jesus, I would write all the great things about Jesus. Who would, this doesn't, this, this goes to let you know that God was behind the authorship of the Bible. Who would write this? This is insane. Who would make up a story? But Jesus is trying to teach us something.
Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming. She doesn't say, I believe, yeah, the resurrection. She doesn't even mention it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe. She doesn't even mention that. Yeah, I believe. I believe you're the Son. You know, when you're grieving, when you're upset, sometimes it's even hard to grasp that God can resurrect people. And then she runs back and she tells Mary, and Mary goes to the master. And then, uh, um, and so he basically tell, Mary says the same thing to him. If you hadn't been here, if you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. He says the very same thing. Same, almost identical interaction. So we're going to move on to verse 33. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then John, the author, John, records something that is astounding. He writes something that helps us understand when you're going through the most difficult time in your life, and even though God could have, could have should have, and didn't. And it's not because God is distant, but God has the ability to enter into your pain. To enter into and to feel your deepest hurts. Amen. Even when he chooses to do nothing about your situation, John writes this. I'm not too distant. I'm not too almighty. I have the ability to enter into your pain even though I choose to do nothing about your situation. He weeps. That is written for us. Because we think God doesn't weep with us when we lose someone we love. We think God is unemotional in the process. Oh, they passed on. You know, watch that show Fringe on Friday nights. And there are these group of people in the movie, in the show. They have no emotion. So when people die, they go on, he has expired. And the humans are all crying. But these, these, these people are actually humans, but they're so evolved. They've evolved so much where they thought that emotion was weak. So they come back in time, but they come back emotionless. And sometimes we get that picture of God, that God, when, when my friend, when my mother, when my father dies, that God does not weep with us, even though he's done nothing about the situation. He weeps. He feels. Amen. When you suffer, and when you don't understand, it's, it's, it's as if God leans in and says, I know. That's the feeling. And that's what God wants you to know. I know. I feel you. I'm with you. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Why didn't you do something? About that. That's what they're asking. 
Why didn't you do something about that? If you open the blind man's eyes, why not the guy you loved? Why do you love strangers and treat those you love like this? That's what they're saying. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. You know, you can imagine what's, what's about to be. Stone, a cave, dead people, a fresh corpse. Remove the stone, and then you get, But Lord, there's Martha. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been there, remember Jesus, four days. Remember that? Four days. In another translation, it says, he stinketh. Ooh. In Spanish, it says, que huele. <laughs> He's been there for, you can imagine, you know, when Martha says, four days, Jesus. He's dead. Even the spirit above him hovering is gone. He's just a goner. Why would you want us to do that? Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You know, when we're in pain, we don't attach God's glory to that pain. And he's saying, if you believe, this is where God is trying to help us in our little human world. If you believe that you'll see my glory. If you hang on, if you take one more step forward and you keep moving forward, you'll see my glory. You'll see this, this will make sense to you later. It may not make sense right now, but it, it'll make sense later because you'll see my glory. So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, and he says this for them, he says this for you, and he says this for me. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew, that you, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. You know, this whole thing, Jesus, was about your glory. This whole thing was about you. This is all about whether we'll trust you. Yes, yes, and yes. You let your friend die so we would learn something about your glory? Yes. Yes, if you could tr continue to trust, you'll see my glory in the most difficult time. Amen. Amen. It's amazing how he set up this illustration. He did it for you. He did it for me. And so here it is. It's about me so that you can see that God sent me. That you can believe that he sent me. That you can believe that through, through dying, through death, we can see God's glory. And when he had said this, he calls out in this loud voice, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. 
Then the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus says, take off his grave clothes and let him go. You want to know why he said that, I think? Because they were like, what was that? <laughs> He's like, go take off his grave clothes and let him go. Because he's walking out, and everyone's like, what just happened? What just happened? Of course, he's got to give them direction. No, they weren't running, oh, Lazarus, you're alive. It's unbelievable. They were like, that, I saw that in the TV show on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. <laughs> Take off his clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen Jesus, what he did, Put their faith in I bet they did. <laughs> I bet they did do that. Because I know I would have been like, you are the man. <laughs> My mama says, don't fall shit. Silencio. I'm following Jesus. No one would have stopped me from following Jesus. No one. Yeah, you bet they did. You bet they did. And this is what... He came to show us. This, is, this guy wasn't unconscious. He wasn't sleeping it off. He was dead. And he was dead for four days. There is nothing. I mean nothing. I literally mean there's nothing God can't do. Amen. Nothing. There's nothing he can't do. So why doesn't God do something about that? Is my time up? <laughs> why doesn't God do something about that? You know, I know because he made me this promise. I know that he can. I've seen that. I know sometimes he waits. Yep. I know we can trust him in the meantime. Yep. He can. He waits. But he made this promise. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Amen. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. If you believe. In the midst of your pain. If you continue to trust. It's been the message of the church since ever since. If you believe. God loved three men that we spoke about for the last three weeks. John the Baptist. Who you left in prison. Who you left. Paul the Apostle, who did more than in, in one man in any generation, I know. Wouldn't, wouldn't remove his, his thorn. And Lazarus, who he allowed to die so we can see God's glory. Inattentive. Look outside your circumstances. If God is inattentive and you feel that way, look outside your prison. Is God, if God is uncooperative, look for his grace. Because that's what he gave Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. And when God is late, 
when he's late on arriving, look for his glory. Amen. And this was our series. This was our endeavor, was to share with you that God is not too almighty. He's not too distant. He can enter into our pain, our world, and feel what we feel. Yet sometimes, he'll do nothing. Sometimes he'll heal, pe- he'll heal complete strangers, right? That was a miracle. Where's my miracle? Look for his glory. And have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, everybody.